Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation with Jackie Matthews, and Jackie just shares so many encouraging stories and words and advice with us today. So I think you're really going to find this conversation helpful, especially if you've been feeling burnt out or discouraged or just want to have a great start to your school year. So without further ado, here we go. I'm here today with Jackie Matthews, the author of The Power of the Positive Teacher. Thanks so much for being here today, Jackie. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. And I just love what you're doing to help teachers. Bless you. Oh, we're so glad to have you. Can you share with us just a little bit about your background and teaching experience before we jump into our actual conversation? Sure. Um, I have kind of a really fun and unique uh, educational background. I grew up in the uh, public school system out in California. So kindergarten through college, graduated from UC Berkeley. Um, and then after we started our family, I was really praying about, shall I go teach other people's kids or should I teach my own? And the Lord really convicted me to um, stay home. And um, so I homeschooled for many years, loved it. Um, our children are now all grown. And I, those were some of the happiest, wonderful memories that we had. So I've also been a homeschool mom. And then when the Lord called them to, when they got older, um, to go into a Christian private school. Um, and again, we just prayed for God's will and that's where he wanted them to be. And I said, okay, well, uh, that costs money. <laughs> so at that point I'm going back to work, of course. And so really praying about that. And the Lord, um, opened up a fabulous opportunity for me to teach, uh, in a Christian elementary school. In fact, the same one where my kids were going to school there. So that made life a lot easier. So four kids. So we're you know, up, out the door, but we're going to the same campus. So that was really helpful. And I love that. Oh, it's so nice so did, that you're able to be with them. Oh, it was. I don't know. I, you know, and I so admire women who can go in one direction and the other, but um, the four of us all on the same property really helped. Um, and so I did that for several years. And my principal came to me one day and said, Hey, you know, we got this big um, donor that wants to start a gifted program in our school. And we've prayed about it and you're the one. And I said, I have no idea how to do that. And she said, well, the Lord will help you. <laughs> and I went home and he confirmed that that was God's will. So started a gifted ed program. And that was a blast. Um, and the Lord had prepared me for that. My husband is has um, a very high IQ and uh, two of our four children have a very, very high IQs. And so kind of homeschooling, I kind of went at a faster pace because they could. Um, and so that was really fun and did that for several years and then ended up transitioning over into a, a private Christian high school and taught there. And then after that, um, and I didn't, I wanted to get my master's, but I was teaching, you know, and had four kids and my husband was traveling. And so that just never fit into the equation. I thought somebody's going to suffer either my students or my children or my marriage. You know, I just, there's only 24 hours in the day, but then the Lord opened up an opportunity. So I got my master's from Liberty university in gifted ed. And that was an exciting and wonderful experience. And I did all of that in the public school system up in the Seattle uh, Tacoma area, which we were living for 20 years. And so I have a, a fun a fun background because it's public, private, and homeschooling, and I've seen all of them done extremely well, and I've seen them done not so well. So um, I'm kind of a believer that God has a place for each child, and 
you know, one size does not fit all in education. So I, I love and support educators wherever God has called them to serve. I love that you've had such a vast and various experience that being so much, it makes your book, I'm sure, all that much more relevant. And that fits so well with what we're doing at Teach for the Heart, where we have teachers in Christian schools and public schools all over the place. And in fact, you're the one that was able to reach out for me. I'd, we'd love to hear a little bit. How did you find out about Teach for the Heart? Oh, well, I was doing my research for my book. I spent about um, almost a year doing the research. Um, I knew while I was doing my master's that this is something that God was calling me to do. And it was a very clear um, to support Christian teachers spiritually, emotionally, and practical, you know, best practices. I, I mean, the whole time I was getting my master's, I just saw it. And so I'm doing the research for the book. It's January. I'm sitting in my bed and I'm looking up things online. And I came to your website and I saw the front page and I started scrolling through and I started to cry. And I was so touched by what you were doing for two reasons. Number one, I know the needs of our teachers and you are responding to that. The need is so great. I'm working with teachers across the United States right now. I'm hearing it coast to coast, north, south, Hawaii, talked to a gal out in Hawaii recently. They need what you're doing. So I'm so grateful. And then I was also crying because that was the exact same vision that God had given me in terms of supporting teachers you know, spiritually, emotionally, and with practical help in the classroom. So that, um, excuse me, that was really cool. So I took, immediately took two of your free classes. I took the, um, uh, was it Classroom Management 101? Fantastic. Well done. Thank you. And I also took the one, you know, teach with fear or teach, teach with, with faith, faith, not yeah. fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't teach in fear. That's not good. Um, and so Linda, they were, they were both super helpful. Um, took lots of notes. It was like, yes, yes, yes. So anybody who's listening right now, what Linda's doing is fantastic. I highly recommend it. Take all of her classes. I'm, I've already paid the money to sign up for your summit in September. I cannot wait. And I'm telling everybody I talk to to sign up for this. Oh, yeah. We are so excited about the summit. And as I was reading through your book, so many of the things that you mentioned were direct tie. And so it's so great. I'm so excited to have this conversation where we're just, I feel like, so much on the same page of, of our goal to help teachers. And for those of you that aren't aware, we are having an upcoming Christian Educators Virtual Summit that will be completely free all weekend long, September 6th through 8th. So it's coming up. Uh, you can grab your, uh, you can enroll for free at ChristianEducatorsSummit.com. So really excited about that. Um, but we are here to talk about your book and in particular just some of the advice that you have for teachers. And your book is called The Power of the Positive Teacher. What is kind of your overall message uh, that you're wanting to get out to teachers? Why did you write this book? Um, I wrote it for a couple of reasons. Um, obviously at God's um, prompting and I spent as much time praying as I spent writing. And I mean that very sincerely because it needed to be what he wanted to say to America's te or to teachers around the world, not just America's teachers, but what he wanted to say. And so I really, and I say this with all humility, I, I tried to type up what he wanted me to say. And so I tell everybody who, when they get a book, if you love it, all glory to God. 
if it's boring or you don't like it, sorry, my fault. (laughs) (laughs) So he gets all the glory if it's good. And if, you know, if I miss the mark, then that's on me and I apologize. But, um, two things happened in my life. Um, my father, I, I think I mentioned was a phenomenal educator in California for 40 years and, you know, faculty parties were always at our house. And, um, I grew up just loving teachers and knowing the incredible influence that they had in people's lives. I mean, my father, uh, we'd be out having dinner someplace and somebody would come up to the table. It might be a student. It might be a parent, might be a grandparent, Mr. Cross. So good to see you. And the way they responded to him, I could tell as a little kid, they loved him and he had a powerful impact on their life. Um, it was really normal that we, uh, the doorbell would ring and somebody would be on the doorstep. It's like, Hey, is Mr. Cross home? And it would be somebody who had been on his football team or in his high school civics class years ago. Hey, Mr. Cross, just wanted to tell you, I graduated from law school. Thanks. Thanks for what you did for me. Cause when I was growing up, you know, we didn't have email and Facebook and all that stuff. So the way you would connect is just either call somebody on the phone or stop by their house. Um, so when my father passed away, um, several of the people who had been in his classes 30, 40, 50 years ago um, contacted uh, my sisters and and me and said, you know, can we come to your dad's service? I mean, he meant that much to them. And so we had, we kept having to make the venue bigger and bigger because more and more, at first we thought it was just going to be this little venue at my parents' assisted living. And like, then it's like at a chapel. Then it's at, we ended up having it at Stanford university oh, wow. and we ended up having it in the faculty lounge. Um, cause we needed that much space cause he had been on staff there at one point and they said, yes, we remember Jack Cross. We would love to host this anyway. So several people from his classes came and each one of them had asked in advance, could we speak? at your father's service. And we thought, wow, my goodness, that is, what a blessing. So of course, so as these people are talking now, of course, you know, this is my father's memorial service. He was my hero and I'm heartbroken that, you know, he's gone, but I'm listening to these people at this service. And each one of them had like silver in their hair. I mean, they have now had their career down now. Some of them are grandparents in their own right. And they're talking about the impact he had on their lives. Wow. 30 and 40 and 50 years ago. And I sat there and I thought, Father, that's the kind of teacher I want to be. That I had to have that kind of a positive impact on a young person's life. You know, talk about a legacy. Um, So that was the first genesis. The second genesis is during that same period of time I was working on my master's. And so, as I said, I did it all in the public school system. And I was doing a lot of school visits and I I made a point of going to high performing schools, middle performing schools, and then some um, schools that were at risk because I really wanted to get a feel for everything. Um, And so when I share this, I'm not just sharing from schools that are at risk or, or blue ribbon schools. I saw this across the board and I saw some things that broke my heart. And when I say break my heart, I mean, I'd be driving home that day after a school visit sobbing. And one night I was sobbing at three o'clock in the morning after spending a day um, in a classroom observation situation over what I had seen. And it's just like the system is broken and I don't see any hope. And I'm a really um, optimistic gal. So that's not my personality type. So for me to be that broken and that sad, it's... um, Wow. But anyway, so as I'm sitting on my couch at 3am crying, um, the Lord really convicted me lovingly and gently, but he said, is anything too difficult for me? 
Mm. And it's like, of course not, Lord, of course not, nothing. And he really convicted me that I was just looking in the natural, right? And I was just looking at, okay, there's the school board is doing this and this is happening. Da, 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 da. He said, you're not factoring in what I can do through my people. And it's like, of course, the, I mean, it's just sitting there like the answer is Jesus Christ is always the answer. And of course, in the public school system, we're educating everybody. We need to follow the law. We need to follow our contract. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Daniel knew that. Joseph knew that in the, in the Old Testament. You know, they were godly men working in pagan organizations, but they, they knew how to stand for God and uh, follow the leadership that they were under. And, and they did it without compromising. So there is a way to do that. And that's, so this is not a new thought of being a Christian in a secular environment and how do we make that fit? So that's where the book came from. And as I prayed, I was just like, things just, the Lord just kept bringing things to mind, bringing things to mind. And as I'm having people um, buying it and reading it, and it's, it's neat what I'm hearing back from teachers, secular teachers, Christian school teachers, um, they're all saying kind of the same things like, yeah, yeah, this is this is truth, and I and I say that humbly, giving God all the glory. And you talk on you touch on so many important topics in your book. What are some of the things that you are kind of most concerned about? You know, as you talk to teachers across the country. Um, it is interesting in my in my position now because I do teacher training and I'm um, meeting with teachers and talking with teachers across the U.S. and emailing back and forth and all, and and sitting down and having conversations. And the thing that's blowing me away right now, um, and I think this is just a burden God has put on my heart. There's lots of things, you know, in education that need to be fixed. You know, there's lots of issues, but the thing that God has brought to my attention is teacher stress, and our teachers are just overwhelmed. Um, you know, they've got you know, it's, it's gone way past just teaching the curriculum. Um, they've got trauma babies and the trauma babies are across the board and in the private school system. If, if, if those of you who are listening are, are teachers in the public school system, I know some of you joke, joke with me that like, Oh, you guys had it easy in the private Christian school. No, dear friends, we're facing the exact same issues that you're seeing in the public school. Um, we've got suicide, we've got depression, we've got, um, families, you know, chaotic situation. We've got homelessness, we've got hunger, we've got everything. So it's, our schools may be smaller, but we've got the same issues, but you know, teachers are just so stressed and burned out. You know, we, we know the statistics, 50% of our young teachers are leaving within the first five years. That breaks my heart. Certainly some of them, um, you know, you get into something and you try it and you go, okay, I'm sorry, that's not for me. Absolutely. Honey, go find what's for you. You know, if, if this isn't, if this isn't rocking your world, cause it needs to rock your world because these children, you're going to influence them. So if it's not rocking your world, you need to go find your passion. But what breaks my heart is, a, is the ones who came into the profession who love teaching, who love their kids. Um, but they just can't, you know, they're just burnt out and they just can't even, you know, function anymore. So that's what, really breaking. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What, yeah. What, so what do you recommend for teachers? I know you share a lot in your book. What's, what's, yeah. what can they do if they're, if they're right now, it's, you know, it's only just a couple of weeks into the school and they're already feeling burnt out. Yeah. And that's very, very real. So the first thing I'd say is, honey, you're not alone or sir, you're not alone, you know, guy or gal. Um, uh, and I would also say that, um, you got to get all the way back to your foundation. It's all about Jesus Christ. This job is too big for you and it's too big for me. 
Yes. And it's getting bigger by the day. I We don't have control over what our school boards are doing. We don't have control over what's happening in our trauma babies' homes. We don't have control over the economy. There, There's a bunch of things I can't control. What I can control is me. And so the first thing I need to do when I start getting overwhelmed and burnt out is that tells me that I've disconnected from Jesus Christ and I got to get back to my source. So my book starts with what's your foundation? Um, what's the foundation of your classroom? Is it a philosophy? Is it, you know, how beautiful I can make my classroom and I put all my pictures on Pinterest? You know, what, what is your foundation or is your foundation Jesus Christ? Father, I need you. I cannot do this work without you. I truly believe we are missionaries and I truly believe that our classroom is the mission field. There's 90, what is it? 90 million kids out there depending on us. And for a lot of them, we are the only Christian that they're in contact with for a lot of them. Um, outside of us, all they see is, you know, all they know about Christians are what they see on TV. You know, you watch the Big Bang Theory, which is like one of my favorite shows. <laughs> and, you know, the Christian in that, you know, they make fun of that person. That person is um, is a fool. That person is, you know, really, you know, not a loving person and all this kind of other stuff. And and so they need to have authentic Christians in life. So the first thing we need to do is get back to our foundation, make Jesus Christ our foundation in our classroom. And then we need to be abiding in him. And how do we do that? That's through prayer. It's that prayer that we do. Um, and I learned that early on. And I'm very honest in my book about, you know, when I let myself get burned out and walk, wanted to walk away too, because I had four little kids. I was an elder in my church and, you know, real involved in women's ministry because I love um, supporting and encouraging women and then working full time. And then, you know, anything my principal would come to say, I'd say yes. And, you know, that whole people pleasing thing. Um, and I just blew up. It was just like, you know, the wheels fell off. Right. Right. Um, and had to get all the way back. And so that's when I got real serious about prayer. And I listened to your podcast, Linda, on prayer, and that was fantastic. Good for you. Um, I was listening to it last night when I was making dinner, and it was really, um, it really blessed me. And I think prayer is something that wherever we are in our walk with Christ, um, I think if even if you talk to Billy Graham, if he was still on planet Earth, he'd say, you know what, through that whole life, it's just something that we will always kind of struggle with and always have to come back to. And it makes sense because the devil does not want us in communion with God because we're powerful when we're talking to God, because we've invited the God of the universe into the situation, right? So he's going to throw distractions at us. He's going to, you know, like, I never care about how dirty the kitchen is until I'm about to go into prayer. And it's like, oh, I should, I should get those dishes done, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Or the phone rings or the dog barfs or the, you know, something happens. Um, and so anyway, so then I, I had to, you know, so I'm, I'm a product of burnout. I'm, and I'm very honest about that. So I had to get up. It's like, okay, I need God in my life every single day before I go to work. Um, because I had trauma babies in my classroom and I had tremendous, um, stress that I was under because of various things that I won't go into. But, um, so that meant I was getting up at 5 AM for my time with the Lord and then getting my youngins up around six, you know, getting in the shower, da, 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 da. And it radically changed my life. And it, it balances. And that meant I had to go to bed earlier. That meant I couldn't stay up late and watch my best programs. And you know what? 20 years later, I'm still so glad I started doing that. I don't miss the programs. I don't miss the time I'm, you know, going on Instagram or all those things, right? 
I had to go go to bed early so I could get up early so I could spend time with the Lord in his word, in prayer, and then that praying throughout the day, um, seeking his wisdom for every decision. Um, I listened to your podcast on trauma and highly recommend it. You guys listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. Um, Linda's got a wonderful guest on. She talked about trauma and, um, I had a trauma student and, you know, I had lots of them, but this particular one, and it really hit me when I listened to your podcast, um, when Janine talked about that, because, you know, I always give me wisdom, give me discernment because I'm not a counselor. That's not my training. I'm a teacher. Like I, I can do a lesson plan. I can teach math, whatever you want, but that's, you know, I'm not a counselor. That's not my training. But, um, I had this young gal in fifth grade, she came in, um, to my classroom toward the end of the year and she was the most hardened, um, rude, obnoxious, dripping with, um, attitude, you know, like that adolescent, you know, eye rolling, um, foul mouthed, just, you know, just a tough cookie. And so I'm trying to work with her and trying to bring her along and, you know, it's just destroying the class every time, you know, and she'd burst out with something and that, you know, learning stops and we're trying to deal with things. One of the things I talk about in my classroom is not ever doing the drama in front of the students because that's like TV. I mean, who, this is fun. Let's watch <laughs> this teacher and student go at it for a while. Right. That's kind of a fun power play. So I just quietly, I, one day I just got to the end of my rope with this dear girl. And so I said, so-and-so meet me in the hall. And I got my students going on something because I'm not going to have the back and forth in front of my students. That's just that the teacher never wins in that situation. So I had a window in my door and so I could see, you know, so I'd, if I ever called out a student into the hallway and they, their job was just to stand there and then I would come out and we would have a um, calm conversation. I don't believe in raising voices. I don't believe in name calling. I don't believe in sarcasm. I believe that I am to behave the way Christ would have me behave, behave at all times. Um, that's what I have control over and I need Christ's help to do that. So anyway, so I went out in the hallway and I'm, I am fixing to have a conversation with this little gal cause I am now mad. And the Lord just stopped me and he said, stop, ask her what's wrong. And I tell you what, Linda, that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, boom, like cold water in the face. And so I said, honey, what's going on? And this tough mean. I mean, she had said mean stuff to me. She just burst into tears, threw her arms around me and just buried her face in my shoulder. Hmm. And it was like, wow. Out of this, you know, when she finally could stop sobbing enough to tell me what was going on, she was, um, she had a single mom and her mom's, um, for lack of a better way, a uh, financial plan to provide for her and her daughter was that they would live with a boyfriend and they would live with the boyfriend until the boyfriend decided he'd had enough of them. And then they would have a fight. He'd kick them out. They'd be on the street for a while. She'd find a new boyfriend. They'd move in with him. And that's what this little fifth grade's life had been like. And that morning, the, the, you know, the fight that always came had come and she and mom are living in the car again. I didn't know this. My principal didn't know this. The counselor at the school didn't know this. None of us knew this about this dear girl. And I so am thankful that the Lord said, stop, Jackie, stop. This is not about you. This is not a little power play. This is not a fifth, fifth grader just messing up your math lesson. 
stop and listen to this little girl. And I'm so grateful that she felt confident enough that she could just dissolve into my arms. Yeah. So, what a pow- yeah. What a powerful story. And, and you just shared so many, so many great things for us. And they all do kind of center around that advice that you said that prayer is so important, right? That we yes. are asking God for help and letting his power flow through us, depending on him for wisdom. And I know I personally... I get so distracted by the to-do list. That to-do list is like all-encompassing for me sometimes. And it feels like, oh, I don't have time to set aside time to pray. But I'm always trying to something I'm always working on, but trying to remind myself, this is the most important work that I can do. (laughs) Prayer is more important than everything else that I have on my to-do list. Do you mind sharing just in practical terms, when you got up early in the morning to pray and you made that a habit, did you... Did you do anything that helped you like stay awake and alert? I know there's been times that I've done that where it's been it's been helpful and then there's other times where I, I'm just falling asleep and it's and it's completely does not go well. Do you have any advice yeah. on that matter? Well, and the first thing I'd like to say to you, Linda, is as a mama with a new baby, <laughs> cut yourself a lot of slack, girl. Okay? Cause seriously, um I, I happen to be at this at this time when I was teaching, my kids were older. So my youngest was like in first grade, when I went back into the classroom, um, when my baby was a baby and he's now 23, but when my baby was a baby and I thought like, Oh, I really want to get up early because that's what Jesus did. And I want to, you know, start my day right for my family and blah, blah, blah. Um, I had a ninja baby and this little guy could get out of his crib. So as soon as he would hear my feet on the ground, he was like out of his crib and like on my, at my side. And then, you know, so we're off and running. And if that happened to be 5 a.m., it's like, okay. So there was a period of time when my babies were little, when my prayer time was when they went down for a nap, or my mm. prayer time was when I was driving, or my prayer time was. So the first thing I would like to say to you specifically, and anybody else who maybe is a, a new mom and teaching, is like, cut yourself some slack um, and do the best you can. But when I did start, and I was able to really keep that habit of early in the morning, first of all, it had to be... Um, it was a quality decision. It was like, I cannot function without this. Almost like I can't go to school without brushing my teeth. I would never do that, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like, ooh, gross. Or with, I would not go to school without shoes on. I mean, like, I just can't do this. And, the, you know, and occasion, of course I wasn't 100%. And, and you know, occasionally, you know, there was a day when you oversleep, you know, life. You oversleep, da-da-da-da-da, and you show up. And, of course, that would always be the day I come screaming at the last second and there's a parent with a crisis. And it's like, I'm like, Father, please help me. I know I didn't pray this morning. Please, please help me. And he was gracious and he was kind and he did. So the first thing I do want to do is say, okay, we're not going to be legalistic about this. We're going to cut each other some slack. But things that did help me is um, making the quality decision, going to bed a little bit earlier, having all of my Bible study materials where I was going to be doing my time. So like I had a little chair downstairs. Um, and so I had my Bible and if I was doing a devotional study or whatever it was, everything was there. So I wasn't at five o'clock, you know, going around the house, trying to find things and then getting frustrated and cup of coffee. I'm a firm believer in the value of caffeine, love caffeine. (laughs) Um, that helped me stay awake. Um, and then, um, and then I also really prayed and said, Father, I want to do this, but I need your help because, you know, I'm willing, but the flesh is weak. And of course we're tired, right? So I asked the Lord, please help me to stay awake. Please give me a love 
for your word. And that was really important because, you know, I'd been a BSF leader and a, and a precepts leader for years, especially while I was raising home, raising our children. And that, that was really, really important to me. And I was starting to act like a SWAT team, like get in, get it done, get out. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, oh, off my to-do list, onto my next thing. And I thought, wow, Father, I don't want to treat your word this way. It's too important. I mean, this is, like you just said, this is the most important part of the day. This is the best thing you can be doing, Linda, for your children and your husband and your students and, you know, the people who follow you. That really is the best thing you can be doing. And so I asked the Lord to give me a love for his word. And to help me keep this commitment. And he has been faithful. And again, not perfect, you know, and it's something that, um, you know, you, you really get it down for a while and then you kind of wander off and then you, you know, you got to redo a course correction and come back and, you know, having other people to hold you accountable is a, is a great thing, but really just having all the stuff I needed in the place I needed it. So I wasn't running around the house was helpful. And then keeping a prayer journal and and seeing what God did. So I've got like almost 30 years of prayer journals right now. Wow. And that is super cool. <laughs> That's and, awesome. You know, because, yeah, we, you know, we kind of forget like, oh, what have you done for me lately, God? And then you go back and go, okay, you know, in 98, you know, this was the, the sob of my heart and this is what God did. So keeping a prayer journal is a really cool thing. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I hope if you're listening, if you walk away from this conversation with nothing else but I need to pray this year, then then I am thrilled <laughs> with this conversation. But Jackie, you mentioned to me before we got on here that you did have a few things you wanted to mention. You said there were some misconceptions that you notice amongst Christian educators that you kind of wanted to clear up. Um, what were those? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, I, so I taught... We were living in Seattle, Tacoma area for the last 20 years, and um, it's King County and Pierce County. They are the two most unchurched counties in America. So I point that out to say it was it was really uncool to be a Christian in that in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. Um, and it's kind of a lonely place to be a Christian. And so I know, you know, now I moved down here to the Bible Belt, and you know, I'll have teachers telling me like they're. Christian teachers teaching in the public school system, and they may have a Christian principal, and they may have a Christian superintendent. Our little local newspaper puts a devotional in their newspaper. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. But anyway, but in the Pacific Northwest, and and if you're listening to this, please pray for teachers in parts of the country where um, uh, they're really getting persecuted up there. And there's, I could I could go on and on about teachers who um, they've lost their jobs or they've been um, bullied and harassed because their principal just really didn't like Christians. And as soon as he or she found out they were a Christian, really tried to get them out of there. You know, there was that whole um, high school football coach who got fired for praying after the football games. And that's a whole big thing. And um, that was my community. And so teachers, especially up there, were really afraid. Christian teachers were really afraid to ever share their faith or even let people know that they are Christians. Like, oh, I got to leave that in the parking lot because I'll lose my job. They felt powerless. They felt lonely. You know, I'm the only one on my campus because I don't talk about it, don't talk about it. So, you know, they're going, they're getting out of their car, teaching all day, getting back in the car, going home. Well, one of the things that I found out is um, as talking to teachers, like, wait a second, wait a second. These are lies from the devil. That's literally lies from the devil. You are not powerless. You are not alone. You're certainly not powerless because you plus God are an unbeatable team, right? Just two people mm -hmm. praying, you praying with your heavenly father. Um, 
you are also not alone. As I was doing the research for the book, 37% of teachers nationwide who work in the public school system identify as Christians um, with a serious faith. They go to church um, at least once a week. Okay, that's a pretty serious Christian. 37%. Yeah. Now, yeah, um, that's, you know, if you if you add in Christians who maybe, well, I go about once a month or I'm at least Christian. Christmas and Easter, you know, I mean, the number is probably 50% or higher, I would say. So you're not alone on your campus. Find them, find the other Christians. And then the other thing I would say is, I think it's impossible for us to leave our faith in the car. If you really love the Lord Jesus Christ, it shows in who you are. It affects, it. it's it's who you are. It's like your DNA. It's like leaving your skin in the car when you go to work, which you would never do, and that would be totally gross, so please don't do that. Um, <laughs> but you know, so it is who you are. And yes, legally, we are not allowed to proselytize. Totally get that. Um, like I said, I, I listened to your podcast to, or your um, class twice on that, and that was super helpful. Um, but there are so many things that we can be le- legally doing. I can pray in the privacy of my own heart, no matter how my principle is, even if my principle just despises Christians. And there are there are principles out there. I know there are, and I'm sorry if you're, if you're in that kind of situation, um, my one thought to you, and I'd like to encourage you, teacher, if you're in that situation, is the Lord never makes a mistake. So if he has you on that campus, maybe you are the agent of change on that campus. And I have seen God do amazing things through the prayers of one or two people. Find the other Christians on your campus. Start praying. You know, a lot of times at lunchtime, teachers will go out for a little walk. You know, they don't know if you're doing a prayer walk or just chatting, Right. Um, again, don't proselytize. That's, that's crossing the line. We want to stay on, on the correct side of the law. We want to be good stewards. We want to follow the law and we want to follow our contracts. Um, but we can, and certainly if a student asks us, gee, Mrs. Matthews, are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Do you believe that the Bible is true? Yes, I do. How come? I can answer those questions. I can say things like, well, you know, people who are Christians believe or at Christian at Christmas time, Here's what Christians celebrate, or at Easter, here's what they celebrate. I just had a nice chat with my late neighbor next door. He's a lovely um, Christian woman. She just retired as an art teacher. She taught art for 35 years right here in Colleyville. And um, she said all of her students knew she was a Christian. She never said anything, but they just knew, right? Because of the way she carried herself, because of the words she chose to use. Um, you know, she didn't swear. She was not. A, she was kind and loving and compassionate. She was just being a Jesus person. Right, just living mm-hmm. the way that we're supposed to live, and her students just knew it, and and her parents just knew it. And the other thing I would love to say to you, Christian teachers, um, wherever you're serving, is please remember this: you are the answer to a desperate parent's prayer. And I wish that you could see what I see when I'll I'll have my girlfriends who have kids in the public school system and they'll find out that their child has so-and-so teacher and they know that that teacher is a Christian and there is a celebration in that house. Mm -hmm. They, They see that as, Father, thank you. Thank you. And they're praying for you. Um, and so just know that. And I, I hope that encourages you because, um, there are people, parents out there who are just so grateful for you. Wow. Thank you so much for all those words of encouragement. And if you guys do want to check out that Teach with Faith, Not Fear training, we partner with Christian educators to do that. And there's just so much practical help if you're struggling with, okay, especially in public schools, you know, what am, what is legal? What isn't legal? You know, how do I, how do I reach out and 
be a genuine Christian without crossing the lines, we'll link to that at teachfortheheart.com slash power. We'll have the links, all the links for this show. And we'll also link to Jackie's book. And Jackie, you're going to be offering your book 50% off, right? Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Yeah, I just want to mention, oh, sorry. No, go go ahead. Um, it's, it's available on Amazon, um, ebook and print. And just a little side note, um, I did this to bless teachers. I also did this to help, um, raise funds for our Kenya school that my students raised money for. They've graduated now 2000 kids in a, in a K Christian school in Eldoret, Kenya. So if you buy it on Amazon, $11 goes to help the school. And that's maybe that doesn't sound like much, but it's only $20 a month tuition. So you know, if you buy two books, that's a child getting an education for a month. And I love awesome. these kids. I don't know if I'm ever going to see them this side of heaven, but I love them. But I do want to support teachers and I know, you know, funds are tight. So on my website, I will have the book for 50% off. So anyway, whichever way you want to do it, I am, I am grateful. All right. We'll link to both places. We'll link to Amazon and then we'll link to on your website. And there is only a limited number available at that 50% off price. So depending on if you're listening to this right when it airs or later, you can check just go ahead and head over to teachfortheheart.com slash power. You can check out both of those and see if it's still available. So, and and Jackie, your book is for everyone, right? I mean, you've already shared your, you know, you've taught different grades, you've taught different places. Is this for a specific teacher or is it for everybody? It is really for everyone um, because it's about your heart and your walk. So it's it's um, not grade specific. So you might teach preschool. You might teach senior AP calculus. You might teach Sunday school. You might teach um, – you might be a youth leader in your church. You might do a boys and girls club after school or some kind of an after school. Any place where – a Christian is working with young people. Um, I believe that this book will be a blessing. And I, and I say that because I give God all the glory. Yes. If you found this conversation encouraging and helpful, um, and you want more encouragement, more practical tips and help, um, then definitely check out Jackie's book, The Power of the Positive Teacher. Well, we're just about out of time, but before we go, um, if you could say one thing to our listeners, you know, as they're heading back to the classroom, what would you like to say? I would say, don't go it alone. Take God with you into the classroom. Abide in him. How do you abide? You pray. You pray. You seek him through the day. You seek him through the night. He will be the best teaching partner you can possibly have. Those things that are impossible that you just go, oh, you know, it's just, I can't do this. He will make a way. Um, Prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. Prayer changes situations. Prayer changes our hearts. Um, prayer changes things. So abide in him, take him with you this year and watch and see what he will do in your life and in the lives of your students. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for those encouraging words. Um, would you mind praying for us uh, before we head out? Thank you so much. This morning when I was praying for you, Linda, I said, oh, Father, you know, I would love to offer the prayer at the end just because I'm just so grateful to you. So thank you. That's an answer to my prayer. Yes, thank you. Uh, So, Father, we thank you for this time together. We love you. We love you. I thank you for Linda's heart. I thank you for her desire 
and her obedience to follow you, to do what you've called her to do, to work so hard. I know what it's like to have four young children at home. She is a busy woman. So Father, I pray that you bless her, bless her family, help her do the work you've called her to do, give her good rest at night um, so that she can get up the next day, expand her territory, Father. Let lots and lots of teachers um, find her ministry and her website and, and find those practical tools and be encouraged spiritually and be encouraged, um, with practical tips as well as well. Father, I pray for the summit this fall that you would do a great work beyond what Linda and Dave and everybody else, you know, we, we bring our work to you, father, we do the best we can, but our work is finite and our ability is, is so small compared to you, father. So we just ask that you will show up and do a mighty work and that people around the planet, teachers around the planet will come to the summit and you will do whatever it is that you want to do in our lives. Father, that sense of rise up, um, that's exactly the phrase you have given me as I've been doing um, retreats that rise up um, and and answer the call. And we pray for all the listeners, Father, would you encourage them? Would you strengthen them? Would you give them wisdom and discernment? Would you give them everything they need to answer the call you've put on their lives? And Father, we're so grateful that you are not a God who says, well, here's your call, go do it. And you drop us at the curve and take off. No, no. You say, hold my hand. And together we will do this. So I thank you that we will all learn today to abide in you a little bit better. And I pray for blessings over every listener today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jackie. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Jackie. I love her spirit and her desire to encourage teachers. And I hope you do feel encouraged and empowered and most importantly, um, inspired to spend time with God in prayer and really abide in Him this year. Once again, all the notes and the links and the links to Jackie's book can be found at teachfortheheart.com slash power, teachfortheheart.com slash power. And we hope to see you at our Christian Educators Summit coming up September 6th and 7th. We'll link to it there. You can also head directly to christianeducatorssummit.com. Thank you guys so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference.